Hello, and welcome to Automating Success Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Langton, and with me as always, my co-host and daughter, Julia Langton. I'm a serial entrepreneur and president of Langton Group, working towards uniting the landscaping industry and helping everyone to not only survive, but thrive during the upcoming automation revolution. Our goal with this show is to inspire all of our listeners to incorporate automation into their business and maximize the associated benefit for your business and employees by sharing experiences, insights, and amazing interviews with the best thought leaders in the industry. We will also be chronicling the growth of mine and Julia's newest automation-focused startup venture, Automated Outdoor Solutions. Now let's get the show started. Working on a weekend like usual. Way off in the deep end like usual. Swear they passed us, they doing too much. Haven't done my taxes, I'm too turned up Virgil got a paddock on my wrist going nuts Caught me slipping once, okay, so what? Someone hit your block up, i tell you if it was us Man, a house in Rosewood, it too plush Austin Ribbine What's happening? Welcome to uh, Automating Success Podcast Thank you, I'm excited Joe here is the host and my beautiful daughter, Julia Hi, nice to meet you <laughs> So Austin, Life is Good by Drake. I, uh, yeah. I, I, I love your pick for a song. And uh, <laughs> the part that I liked the best was working hard on the weekends as usual. Yeah. I, I heard that as an entrepreneur and thought, yep, I get shit for this from every one of my friends all the time. So yeah. <laughs> but, but elaborate a little bit more on any other parts of that song that really, really get to you. I mean, Honestly, I think that that was like the biggest reason that I picked it was because that he says it twice in the song and it always just gets me jacked up. And it's like one that I can listen to in the morning and it's not too like doesn't doesn't go too hard. So you can listen to it when you're waking up and kind of start to get psyched for the day. It's yeah. actually it's actually a hard question for me because I love music and I, I have like I don't know how many playlists on Spotify that I listen to throughout the day. So it's kind of between rap and uh, heavy metal song that gets me psyched up. So, um, but that's the one right now. Yeah. So this is this is what's awesome about music and why we think it's really cool for us to do this on our podcast is, I think that at the end of the day, the music we listen to is relevant to the time that we're in in our life. You know, sometimes there's challenging times, and the music might be a little different than. Uh, when things are just flowing and going easy. So right now, I'm assuming by life is good is the title of the song. You're feeling pretty pretty high on life, you know, which I think you should be, you know. You're CEO yeah. of two companies, right? I mean, how crazy is that? Um, yeah. You know, you're cutting edge stuff with the technology you guys have going with Sight, which we're going to get into. But I am interested to know what your other, like give me a top three. So you said it was close. So what were the other two songs? So there is one, uh, and this is actually an older Drake song. I feel like it's, I'm, I'm super basic because I've got two Drake songs in there. But uh, uh, Nice For What is another one that was like, I think that was in like 2018, maybe nine, maybe like early 2019. And that song always gets me like super pumped up, especially in the summer, listening to it with the windows down and blasting that song. Love it. And then, uh, and then another one, uh, which is more heavy metal, which is Zeal, Zeal and Ardor. Um, and that one is, um, ship on fire. That was another one. That's, that was, I was thinking about. So, yeah. so, so I, I'm going to listen to those now, you know, yeah. so yeah, he doesn't know the, the other Drake one. Yeah. He, so, <laughs> so, so, so it's funny to me because, you know, 
my old rap background was, you know, like, like the old stuff, right? I graduated in the nineties. So I listened to it. I'm like, rap is rap. And she'll listen to it. And it's like, I feel like how my, I felt when I was driving with my mom and dad, when they were listening to oldies 104.3, you know, and I'm like, what the, she's looking at me like, what is this? What is this Snoop Doggy Dog shit you're listening to, you know? But, uh, but, but yeah, so now, you know, now I've kind of gone more into the killers and Lincoln Park. So most of my rap background is because of Julia here. Yes, yeah, so. I provide the best music taste. I, I so do. I was happy that you chose a Drake song. <laughs> <laughs> so, because she doesn't feel like an outlier now, you know? Yeah. I, I think she was worried. Like, so my intro song is uh, is The Killer, uh, The Man by The Killers. And hers was... It's You Mad by Vic Menza. Yeah. So yeah. I think she was worried she was going to be the only person that picked a rap song. Yeah. You know? yeah. <laughs> so, 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 so you really did her well here, Austin. Yeah, I'm glad I could help, yeah. <laughs> I have one uh, rap playlist on Spotify that's like a thousand songs from the, just over the last probably two years that, that I've got on there. So yeah. listen, listen to a lot of music, but not just rap, rap, country, uh, some rock, all kinds of different stuff. So, so Austin, you know, you know, I, I know your dad. I've gotten to know him uh, pretty well lately. Um, you know, your dad, he, he's a mentor to me as a guy, you know, I'm 41. Your your dad has kind of hit some of the the, the levels that I'm at right now, and I, I kind of look up to what you guys are doing together as a group. Um, so, but I, you know, I want to know more about you because what interests me about you, and I think Julia also is, you know, Julia is is kind of like you. She's my daughter. She's in business with me. She's COO of Automated Outdoor, and awesome. our paths are are quite similar, right? I, you know, you. You guys are in paving and snow removal. I'm in landscaping and snow removal. But now I look at everything you guys are doing with site and pipe view and all the technology-based stuff you're getting into to support your customer base and, and uh, use it as your differentiator. We're kind of doing a similar thing. And it's ironic to me is, is the older, you know, the dad looking at how she's taking over the technology side with AOS much like you're doing with your dad with site. So that's kind of some of the stuff I want to speak on today. Um, yeah, sure. Learn about from your perspective, you know? Um, and uh, yeah, so just to kind of give you that little summation. So cool. I want to know, you know, like right out of the gate, you know, young Austin, tell us kind of about where you were at and how you, uh, you became who you are currently. Oh man. All right. Well, uh, so I grew up in uh, in Johnsburg, which is what, what northwest of the city of Chicago, basically in Wisconsin, as you guys know where that's at. Yeah. Uh, just a small town. Um, you know, grew up with an amazing family. You, you, you know, you, you know my 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 dad, and um, so I had both my parents, and I was the oldest of, uh, of two sisters, and then a little brother. Um, so really, just had a had a great childhood growing up. We lived on a lake and. Uh, and my mom, uh, you know, her full-time job was taking care of us. So summers growing up were amazing. We'd go to, you know, Six Flags and hang out with friends and all kinds of stuff. So, you know, it was a really, really amazing childhood. My, my dad worked a lot, but, um, you know, was always there for us also. And, uh, you know, probably uh, when I was, I think I was 13 is when I started to, to, to start to get into business and work. Um, so pretty young. So up until then it was, you know, all fun and games. And then I had to 
go out and earn my own money if I wanted to start doing stuff. (laughs) So I I know that you, uh, for a little while, dabbled in the lawn care industry. I did. I I learned that actually listening to your dad's Ditch Digger uh, podcast. Okay. So, uh, but but I kind of want, you know, a lot of our listeners are in that industry. So uh, if you could elaborate a little bit on that, you know, getting yeah. to the point where you've got to earn your own keep and uh, yeah. how, how your dad pushed you into, or not pushed you, but maybe inspired you, I should yeah. say, in, in doing that, <laughs> I, you know? I would say a little of both, right? <laughs> I think there's some, some inspiration and uh, and some pushing as well. Um, yeah, but, you know, it, it started out when I was, I think it was 13 or 14. I think I was 13. And, uh, and at that point, my, you know, it's when my dad can say, well, you guys start, if you want to do stuff, you got, or want a, a new CD or, uh, you know, the new movie that came out that you got to earn it and pay for yourself. Um, so at that time we had a, uh, a pretty large yard just at our house alone. And so he was like, I'll, uh, you can start using the lawnmower. I'll pay you to mow the lawn. Um, and so I was making money doing that at first. And then I was like, man, I, this isn't so bad. Listen, sitting on the lawnmower, listen to music all the time. I should go out and start trying to get some more business. So, um, so I started to drive the lawnmower around the, uh, around the neighborhood that we were in and drop off flyers and, uh, quote them for mowing their lawns on a weekly basis. Uh, and so it got to the point where I had to buy the, buy the lawnmower off of my dad. And it was like a, it was a cheap junky lawnmower at the time. So I, maybe it was a thousand bucks or something like that, not 500 bucks. Um, so I had to, so kind of like took a loan out from him until I could pay him off. Uh, and then after a year, I was, uh, I was able to afford the, the, uh, Toro zero turn radius, uh, which was a little more expensive and bought that along with a, a trailer to be able to haul it around with, but I still couldn't haul it. So, uh, my mom actually, uh, was driving me around to mow lawns. And uh, so she would, she would drive my trailer around and truck and, or no, she used her truck at the time before I could purchase one. Um, so we used her SUV and in uh, a trailer and, and the tractor that I bought. Uh, I had like a couple of commercial uh, properties that, that I did. There's like a strip mall up in Spring Grove, did my dad's couple of his commercial properties and then a bunch of residential. So I always joke because when I was like 14 years old, I was making more money than I was at 23 years old coming into the, to the Rabine group to work as a project manager. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I felt like I was going to talk to your dad about that, Austin. Yeah. Well, that's, that's just how it goes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Being in a family business. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so, so my mom would drive me around to the different spots and it was funny cause she would help me she would pick up the, while she was waiting, grab the weed whacker and help. And then, uh, and then finally, when I was 16, I was able to afford my own truck and uh, from the money that I had earned uh, mowing lawns over the, the previous year or two and, uh, and started to expand even more, do some more commercial properties. Um, and uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun. It was, I think it was a great introduction into you know, going out and selling for myself, uh, keeping a schedule to make sure that I was showing up to mow people's lawns when they needed it because you didn't show up or they'd, uh, you'd hear from them. Um, and then, you know, even just from making sure that you're invoicing on time and collecting money and all of those things, I think it was a really, uh, great experience and kind of introduction into business at the time. Um, when it was just, you know, I didn't have a ton of, uh, risk there, right. It was just me. I didn't have any employees. Um, so there, you know, it was a good, uh, 
good learning experience to be able to make some mistakes without a lot of risk. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You have no overhead at that point, you know, it's, exactly. It's yeah, you. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You, uh, <clears throat> that what you're explained there is one of the things that we always speak about with robotic lawn mowing, because, you know, now go to a company like mine with Langton group, I, I have to somehow sell against, a uh, young Austin. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the, you know, wh- why would I use Langton group and not use the kid in the neighborhood with the lawnmower? And I'm like, Holy cow. Like, you know, this is something yeah. that I, I don't think pavers have to deal with, you know, but, no, uh, no, luckily not. you know, but you know, you bring up the whole keeping a schedule and making sure you show up, you know, that's what I always talk to people, even, even people just getting into landscaping. Um, if you put a robot there, you always show up. You know, and yeah. so you just all you have to do at that point is know how to collect the money and sell the work, you know. But, yeah, um, exactly. So, what made you decide though? What was it about landscaping that made you decide, okay, I'm done with this, I'm, I'm hanging it up? Um, I, well, I think that it was I saw that I could buy. So, what I did was I purchased, uh, I got to the point where I hired my cousin to, or no, I, I hired my sister to start mowing some of the lawns for me. I think it was my cousin, my sister that kind of like switched back and forth. So they were mowing lawns for me. Um, and then I, uh, I at like 17 had saved enough to buy a skid loader. Um, so I bought a, uh, it was a case 90 XT skid loader and a roller attachment that I put on the front. Um, so then I started to prep driveways and that was even, you know, I was making more money than I was mowing lawns. So I was like, all right, well, this is, this is kind of nice. Now I can start doing this. And I worked as a subcontractor for my dad um, throughout the summers doing driveways. And then in the winter, I did snow removal for a a neighborhood up in Long Grove where I had all the driveways that I was uh, responsible for and then the streets as well. So that was a super, super nice uh, little project for me to kind of carry me through the winter. Um, And then I sold, I sold the lawnmower to uh, my sister, and she took over all my accounts. So I was able to make a little money there and then saw that there was a bigger opportunity in prepping driveways <laughs> and snow removal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, there's there's a lot less competition. You, you, you basically yeah. stepped, you, you swam to the deeper, cleaner part of the ocean. Exactly. Sure. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. So, Definitely a little competition because I think the equipment's uh, a little more expensive. <laughs> yeah, well, and especially in snow removal, you have to be a little bit insane to want to stay up all night yeah. and do what you do. So, so you, you get, you, you basically go into it. You have to be a very hard worker to be in that category. And there's very yeah. few people that want to go that as many hours, you know? Yep. Yeah. I ran into that a lot. It was funny. Cause so it was, uh, at that time when I was doing the snow removal, I had my skid loader, uh, obviously an attachment for the, for the, um, a snow plow. And then I had a pickup truck and um, and just like a little dump truck to salt the streets, and uh, and the trucks weren't difficult to to find people to to run. But I also needed uh, like two shovelers to be out oh there. Oh my gosh! And yeah. those nobody. <laughs> I think I, I I went through those guys like you know like nothing. Every some some would show up and after like being out there for three hours, they like. I can't do this anymore. And they would just go home. <laughs> yeah. Well, so, yeah. So, so, so Julie, you want to talk about your shoveling? Yeah. Background? So I started shoveling a couple of years ago. Well, I don't know how old I was. I mean, I was probably 17, maybe 16 or 16. 17. I, I okay. was right when you were 16. Either way though, I was like, Oh, this will be no big deal. I'll shovel for a couple hours, make some good money. Cause you told me 25 an hour. And I was like, Oh my gosh, that's so much. Like I'm down. And then 
I don't know where I showed the first couple of times, but somehow I ended up at Sonata's, which is like some. So Maple's at the Sonata's in Woodstock, which is just north. Oh, yeah. So, you know, so so here I am, (laughs) me and the dispatchers are like, yeah, other people are going to show up. Like, it's just like, just start shoveling some stuff. And more often than not, there would be nobody. Well, this is is typical snow dispatch. (laughs) Yeah. When when, when there's the, I have no one, you don't tell the people shoveling, we have no one. So they're coming, they're coming, just keep going, you know. Yeah. So unfortunately it happened to my own daughter, you know. Yeah, so I got stuff shoveling basically the entire thing. Every once in a while, I'd have like three people. But I already would have half of it done by the time they got there. So I was shoveling for like a day, like. I think my, I had like 30 something hours one of the times I was shoveling. Yeah. So I'm hearing that. I, I don't feel bad for them. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. well, so, so Austin, it's one of the things, and, and I, you know, I'm going to use this opportunity as a plug because it's one of the reasons I push so hard to find automation, right? I mean, the podcast is automated yeah. us, right? And this is what the stuff we're going to start diving into. But, you know, this left hand robotics machine that I have can snow blow 20 miles of sidewalk every 10 hours. Okay. Wow. So it's like, you know, people are always telling me, oh, you're taking away jobs with your technology. And I'm sure you have similar uh, conversations yeah. with your, your drone stuff with site. And sure. But what I tell people is I'm taking jobs for in this that nobody wants. You know, right. people yeah. come in for an interview and, and I'll ask them, so what's your experience? And like, oh, I've had to shovel my mom and dad's driveway since I was 12. And I'm like, okay, so what have <laughs> you done besides that? Well, nothing. And I'm like, holy cow, you have no idea. This is t- take one driveway times 300. Yeah, like that, that's what I'm going to send you to go do, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, it was funny because I've, I've, I've found. So other than these two, two guys that uh, two of my best friends, Aaron and Mark from uh, high school, they were like, they're super consistent, but it was because we also had a lot of fun out there. Like, you know, we'd be out in the middle of the night and we'd take breaks here and there and just hang out. And like, it was just, it was fun to, to be out there with some of your best friends. But other than that, it was like, I, we couldn't find anybody to, that wanted to do that job. <laughs> well, and see, this is what sucks about, about snow removal is, um, and this is what happens in lawn care and everything. If you find shovelers that are really good, it's hard to let them move up because you're like, I can never lose this guy. There, there's, right. there's a guy that hopefully, hopefully he'll tune in this podcast one day. His name was Ben and he would get a few guys together. And we literally, the song, Benny and the Jets, you know, but, 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 yeah. Benny <laughs> and the Jets, we used to, every time Ben would show up, we referred to him and his crew as Benny is the Jets because Benny and the Jets, because <laughs> they got shit done so fast and they would go from place yeah. to place. But when Ben asked me if he could go into a machine, I was like, oh, shit. You know, because <laughs> I, I lose the jet, you know? Yeah. So, uh, yeah. you know, but this is, you know, going back towards automation. These are the things that happen when you when you bring automation into an industry like ours, you know? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, you know? for sure. Because, like, like we, on the snow removal side, now that, that you're, you're running stuff for your dad at Rabine, are you dealing with any of the snow stuff, or do you guys have a separate division for that? Do you, do you have to deal with staffing that? So we have a we, yeah, we have a, a separate company for that. So I I you know I oversee all of the uh, businesses right now. So um, Dave, he's been our you know he's been with us for probably I think five years now, um, overseeing snow and does a great job. So you know he you know for the most part I I don't really have to 
other than you know checking in on sales and how are things going and looking at metrics and stuff like that i don't i don't have to get too involved with it unless there's you know an, an issue or just checking in on how things are going on so yeah so um, your days of being up all night chasing the white gold flakes are are over yeah yeah i do i do miss it sometimes though it's like there's so this is what's crazy about us right <laughs> I, it's like you you try all this time to to get out of it you know i tell her all the time like I can't keep doing this shit. Like, I, why am I doing this? And then the first time I decide not to go out on a snow event, I'm like, well, I'm going to go check on the guys. And I still yeah. go out. I don't know what the problem is. <laughs> I, I cannot get out of that rut, which is yeah. when it's snowing, I need to be in a truck, you know? So Yeah, same. No, I mean, I haven't done it for a while, but there's definitely, I, I don't know. I was thinking about it the other day. I was, or I was talking to um, somebody that, we, that uh, one, of our, one of our teammates and it's like, I don't know, the, the uh, war stories and like those really difficult times are some of, sometimes like the most fun and the ones you look back on and like, man, that was awesome. I mean, we accomplished a lot. It was, it was a pain in the ass and it sucked at the time, but, but looking back at it, that was a cool experience. <laughs> yeah. Well, that is the thing about snow removal is it's a unique industry with that because, you know, unfortunately one day regulation is going to hit and they're going to not allow people to work more than 12 hour shift. Right. which actually I'd probably advocate for because it yeah. probably needs to happen sooner than later. But yeah. on the, on the flip side, so much gets accomplished with a team of people in, right. in one night and in the whole time you're like at each other's throats sometimes and just, oh, you yeah. know, you yeah. got people calling me and like, you want me to go where and why? And you're like, just do it. I need you to go, you know, but then afterwards yeah. the level of accomplishment, the feeling of accomplishment is, yeah. It's like almost like an endorphin rush just before you go home and go to sleep. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So. yeah. I remember there was one night where we were probably out for, I don't know, 30, 30 plus hours snow plowing. And my buddy that was shoveling for me, he got done early. I always took a little bit longer. So it's like, yeah, just go back to the truck. Just put the, put the tailgate down for me so that when I'm done, put, set everything up so I can just run the machine up the, up the trailer and we can get out of here. And I show up and, uh, and nothing was done and he was passed out in the in the cab and i was like i am gonna kill you like, i just went off on him i was so pissed <laughs> because we've been up for 30 plus hours and just at each other's throats the whole time <laughs> yeah yeah we've gotten to the point now where we have certain areas that will park so like like our dispatchers know if people like at our costcos or whatever go and park in the back corner by the gas station or at our shop, like if drivers come back and park, we have like do not disturb zones now because now we realize like, okay, a lot of times you only need like like a two or four hour nap to clear the cobwebs, you know? Yeah, but, uh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, but I also will tell you that I it does get frustrating because the longest I've ever gone in snow removal, I've been up for 57 hours straight. And I'm like thinking, okay, I'm up for 57 hours and I've got this 20 year old guy that would be up for 30 hours if he was partying, but tells me he can't stay up more than 10 hours. Or, you know, yeah. like, those are all the frustrations and snow removal, you know, yeah. but, uh, yeah. but anyways, I don't want to spend the whole podcast talking about that, but it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's always fun when you can share a similar uh, uh, experience, you know? Yeah, for sure. So, so what, so, you know, you sold the equipment uh, to your sister uh, you went, you went in driveways, what kind of made, like, like take me from there to where you are now, you yeah. know, like, like literally just jump from, 
Yeah, you're doing some subcontracting work for your dad. I think I think the part that I want to learn most about, and I think our um, listeners are going to want to hear most about, is what inspires you to get into sight. I mean, this drone stuff you're doing, it fascinates me. So, yeah. so, so get cool. get me get me into what part of your brain said, man, I can start sending drones all over the place. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so uh, technology has always been something that I've been really interested in, just from you know. I mean, let alone growing up with technology and just seeing different apps and different things that are that are coming into the market. Um, and I've always been really interested in how those things can, you know, how we can take those and relate them to our business. It's, you know, construction is uh, is an old school business with very little technology that's been implemented over time. Um, other than, you know, there's equipment technology and stuff like that, but um, but really that's about it. And uh, there was even uh, prior to site, uh, something that my dad and I had started, uh, that was, you know, I was, Uber had come out and I started using Uber. I live in the city. So, um, I was using Uber all the time and I was like hearing in the office, all of these issues that we had with trucking. And I was like, man, there's gotta be a way that something similar to what Uber is doing can be used in, uh, in trucking. So that was another thing that we kind of started. And, um, and that particular project didn't, uh, didn't really go anywhere because I kind of had to refocus my time, but uh, a couple of years later, we met somebody else that was um, interested in that industry. And now there's they, they, my dad and him have actually built a company called XBE um, that's doing something very similar for trucking um, as Uber. So just I've always been interested in looking at current technologies and I'm not coming up with anything like uh, super innovative, right? I'm just looking at things that and how they can translate into our industry to make us more efficient. Um, so we had, uh, for a long time, my dad had always done these things that were called RPMs, which, which were Rabine Pavement Management Programs. And we would send an engineer or subject matter expert out to a, a facility. They'd walk the facility. They would take a few pictures. They'd uh, come up with a condition report and a budget for that one property. And we'd deliver it in a PDF and an Excel document. And, uh, and it was valuable. It, built, it helped us build really great relationships with clients and it helped them manage their properties more efficiently. But it was really just a snapshot of that one single facility. Um, and so, so as we grew, we started to get more and more national clients. So we, we started uh, a company called Rabine Paving America, which was just focused on uh, national uh, big box retailers, real estate investment trusts, property management companies. And we essentially subcontracted all of the all the equipment and labor out to a local contractor, um, but we would manage the work. We'd uh, we'd communicate with the with the facility. We'd communicate with the um, with the clients. Um, and so when we started doing more of that, all of these properties we we're still trying to kind of figure out how we can leverage these RPMs to be able to build better relationships and to be able to get information on facilities for our clients. So uh, we had one. Uh, national uh, retailer who had us doing this for all of their distribution centers. Every, I think it was every four years we would do it. Um, and they had 37 distribution centers across the United States. We'd fly people all over to capture, or to, just to go out and walk the, walk these facilities. And it would take seven or eight months to do, you know, 37 facilities. And it was just like that we would get information back. It wasn't great data. Um, we, there wasn't, you know, if there were changes to the scope, there wasn't a lot that we could do because we only had a limited amount of pictures that the, that the, uh, that the guy on site took. Um, so it was valuable to the clients, but we, we just knew that there was a better way to do it. 
Um, I remember we even started to, uh, at one point we had um, somebody that was in charge of our sales team, uh, Sam, who uh, they were, they started to send like interns out. So we wanted to figure out how we can send somebody, you know, at a lower cost to capture information and then have somebody in the office uh, put the put the condition reports together in budgets. So at one point he even had somebody go out with a GoPro and like a skateboard or something like that and walk, walk and skate through a parking lot just to capture imagery and, and videos of the whole facility. Um, and then we started to, and then we attached a camera to the front of a, a car and then the car would drive through and take a video of the entire parking lot. Um, so we we're trying all these different things. And then at one point, um, at one point, one of my dad and I's friends reached out to us who has a, a venture fund in New York and said that there is a company that they were looking at that has these drone networks. Um, and we were like, well, that's interesting. So we started to look into it. We talked to them and, uh, and they have thousands of these independent drone pilots throughout the United States who are all FAA certified, uh, professional drone pilots that we could hire as needed, uh, anywhere in the U S. So, um, we're like, well, that, that would be, you know, super interesting to be able to solve some of the scalability issue that we're seeing in sending people out to, to all of these facilities. Um, so we started to play around with it. I mean, the, at first the, the drone imagery was at like 300 feet in the air and it was, you know, the, the information we were getting was really cool, but not a lot that we could do with it from a, an assessment standpoint. So then we started to play around with the flight plans. We got a handful of, uh, of flight plans that, and you know, flight plans or recipes, we call them, um, in place where, you know, we knew what the elevation needed to be for pavements, for roofs, for facades, uh, you know, we're looking at landscaping for all of these exterior pieces of a facility. Um, and it, you know, came down to elevation, camera angle, cross-lap and overlap of the images. Um, and we got it to a point where we we're like, this is, this I think is really valuable. Like we're onto something where this should be scalable for clients that we're dealing with um, to, to find a lot of value in these, uh, in these assessments. So um, this was in 2017, and we were kind of we were working on it within Raybine Paving America for probably six to eight months. Um, and then, you know, I, eventually I went to my dad and said, you know, I think I really think that there is a huge opportunity for this business outside of Raybine. Still, you know, obviously, um, obviously we we still own the business, but outside of kind of the Raybine paving uh, and and roofing entities because there could be so much more from a tech standpoint and from uh, data collection and what we're delivering to the client. Um, so in 2018, January of 2018, we officially started site uh, because we had a handful of clients that really liked what we were delivering to them. So the deliverable is essentially, you know, before it was that one-off property and it was a PDF of a facility. Now we got to the point where, okay, we have this digital, uh, clone of a facility that you can zoom in, you can see tiny cracks on the pavement, you can see a, a wrapper on the ground, and now we're able to annotate on that map. So essentially like uh, on Google Earth, I'm sure that you know when you guys are doing quotes, yeah. you go in and you measure from Google Earth. Um, well, we can do that with the drone imagery as well. So we create you know a bunch of different layers on, uh, on this drone mapping. It's essentially just Google Earth except on steroids. Um, and we have a bunch of layers, so we'll go in, we'll create a condition for the facility, um, and then we create a five-year maintenance plan for the facility. Um, and so they can go in, they can toggle on you know, the zone map, see the conditions of all the zones and their pavements or their roofs, 
uh, go into 2021, see the work that should be performed there. And then they get this visual of exactly what needs to be done to maintain that property. Um, so that's kind of the, that was the first piece. And then we said, all right, well, this is great and this is super valuable, but there's a ton of data and information that we're capturing here that we should be able to create some sort of analytics and dashboard for our clients. Um, so then we, so then we started to, to build that up. Now we have, um, and really at, at first there's just an MVP um, that we built and we just released uh, a brand new kind of platform and dashboard for our clients. Um, but so now we take all of those properties that our engineers and subject matter experts are doing the review on and annotating. And now we're taking all of that information and we're creating actionable reports. So now somebody that oversees a thousand properties can go in and they can see their best property all the way to their worst property. They can see how much money they're spending per year at each property. You know, if they need to reallocate budgets, there's tools in there for them to be able to sort through that and say, okay, this is where we should push off work for the next year or two years. Um, so, uh, so yeah, so, I mean, it's been a really fun, uh, fun company and, and product to build because it's something that, again, we just took, you know, a couple different technology, uh, you know, things that were already out there and we figured out how to repurpose them for our industry. Um, like I said, now we're doing pavements, we're doing roofs, um, facades, uh, we're going to, we're starting to look at lighting. We, we have, uh, an intern on our team that's a lead certified engineer who is, uh, he's basically looking at facilities and figuring out what lead points it has. And then, Hey, here are the couple little things that you can do to, you know, get the next lead, uh, lead credits. Um, and then we're also starting to capture interior facilities as well. Uh, so we're going in and we're using a couple different cameras to capture interiors and be able to do assessments for the interiors of properties. So, the the thing you brought up with the lead credits, I literally cannot believe that I bring a guy on my podcast and not just a guy, but Austin Rabine. And <laughs> you, you start talking about something you're doing and much like, I mean, I, you know, I, I did your dad's interview and it's so crazy to me. Like, this is what's awesome about technology companies, the amount of pooling we can do together, you know? Yeah. So, with us in the robotic mowing business, mm -hmm. okay? Like we've reduced our carbon footprint by 81,000 pounds. Well, it's really probably more, it's, but like there's a lot more, it's, it's more than that. Okay, so it's more than that. So the last estimate was 81,000 pounds, okay? With just probably what, a 10% conversion so far for, yeah. for Lankin Group. So I, I took my Lankin Group customers and like, I don't know, where, where do you live now? Like where do you live? Uh, in the city, in downtown. West, okay. West Loop, Chicago. Yeah. Okay, so you're so if you were out here by me and your dad all the time, if you go down Route 14, like I, I'll say Catalan Pharmaceuticals, for instance, I have 11 yep. robots there. I have uh -huh. stuff that's plugged into the building and stuff that we have an off-grid solar solution, right? But when you cumulatively add all of this up, tons and tons of carbon footprint saving. And then sure. I start looking at stuff in, in California where they're a net zero build, state now um it's sorry we're gonna have to do a, just a bit of editing i i think that my dog has to go out and okay uh, I, I, Chris, thank, thank god i have a podcast editor uh, but uh i just i was like oh my gosh this is going to be a catastrophe so all right so, so let me let, let's hit the restart button so the um uh 
so so now with with you're talking about using site to and you have someone on staff that's figuring out what lead points there are in California, they're net zero build now. So mm. California is a massive market for guys like you and I because they can't build in California unless they can figure out how they're going to decrease carbon somewhere else. That's so crazy. like w- literally after this episode, you and I, we, we need to figure yeah. something out. There has to be some sure. sort of collaboration here. You know? Absolutely. Well, totally. Because I mean, we're, we're starting to go in. So our clients actually don't know that, that we're doing this yet um, because we just kind of, we, he's, he's an actually just an intern for us this year. Um, he's great. He's a super smart kid. Um, but yeah, he's going in he's looking at these facilities and he's doing simple stuff as far as just like at a bike rack, uh, at a carpool, uh, a carpool parking stall, you know, use the, use the, the lawn robot, like the very simple things that now they can start to add up to these different lead certifications. Well, yeah. So like we've got a deal right now where we're working on something with a national cemetery group and you know, when I brought up the fact that if they like convert entire cemeteries over, they should be able to get some lead points. And they're like, well, how do I get them? And I'm like, well, I don't know. You know, so now it's like, <laughs> well, I'm, on the, I'm on a podcast with you and I'm like, I think Austin might know. And, and, and you, know. you do, you know? Yeah. And, and, and this is the thing, you know, it's like, it's part of true mentors. You know, one of the things that I talk about is like, your success is, 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 is you're as successful as your network. You know, and yeah, uh, totally. at the end of the day, it's like this is this is like networking 101. You know, you start yeah. talking to somebody and hear what they're doing and light bulbs just start going off. You know, so for sure. That is amazing. Like that is that to me is really uh, that's some special stuff right there. That Thank not you. only were you able to take something that's already innovative. Right. Like let's tap into a drone network. Amazing. Just in itself. That's pretty awesome because. Drones are cool. I, I, as I was sitting <laughs> out on my deck this morning um, on your dad's golf course, I'm, I say to Julie, I'm like, look, a drone and a drone zipping down the golf course. <laughs> well, I know it's one of yours. Check it yeah, out right. the golf course looks for your dad, you know? But um, but anyhow, you know, you do that. Then, then you figure out, okay, <clears throat> we did this for a specific need, much like what we're doing with automation. You know, I did it for a specific need, which was to – cut down on environmental pressure. Okay. So you were in landscaping at some point, right? So what happens for me is is a large landscaping company. If it rains Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, the person that got mowed on Friday, they don't remember it rained Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. So when I don't show up till Sunday, they think I'm unreliable. They just don't realize that the whole schedule got pushed. Right. And then it throws everything off. So first I look at robots and I say, if this just solves our environmental pressure, it's worth the investment. To me, that's what you guys did. Drones figure out so we don't strap cameras to trucks. Okay. Yeah, exactly. You figure, okay, now I have this extra data. What do I do with the extra data? Which is what really happened with us after Langton Group started using it. Then I realized, okay, well now we know how to fix the robots. So AOS will fix robots for other people and AOS will start franchising so that we can help people with the automation. And we put guys like Austin together in a group so that people that landscape can landscape, but we make the technology easy, which is what you're doing for your customers. You took technology and basically said, let's roll it in everything, right? Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, 
Yeah, and I think it was your point to uh, to eliminating to, to eliminating jobs before. I wanted to comment on that because we hear that all the time. Like, well, aren't you uh, aren't you going to be eliminating the engineer engineer's job because they're not going out on site and doing these different things? And like, no, absolutely not. I mean, we're going to be we're still going to need those those engineers because what we're doing. So, with all the imagery that we have now, uh, we've kicked off a project where we're building artificial intelligence and machine learning to be able to de- detect, you know, have the, the software or computer detect, uh, you know, issues in the pavement or in the roof automatically. So now we get, you know, a, a report saying, here's where all the issues are. And then our engineers take it from there and do any additional customizations that they need to do. But really that's all they're doing is it's just maximizing their time and allowing them to do something that, 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 they're more efficient and would rather do rather than looking at, you know, thousands of pictures and looking at cracks and stuff like that. Now they're looking at a report and they're actually making decisions about how that pavement should be maintained. Not only that, but now they can do, you know, a hundred times, if not more uh, than what they would have been able to do otherwise. So, you know, we're just allowing them to do more with technology, but they're, they're still going to have, have that job. We're just taking the parts away that they don't really want to do anyway. <laughs> well, and it's safe to say too. Okay, so you you're tapping into a drone network of you said you know certified people, FAA stuff like that, right? And you're increasing the amount they're working with their drones, right? So so you're a job creator. I mean, that's the thing that I always try to explain to people. And, and maybe for you, I kind of get the whole uh, engineering side of it, right? Because that, you know that's that's a high paying job. But but the jobs that I'm replacing are jobs that have a glass ceiling because you know what happens for me going back to the shoveler okay yeah i take a guy or a girl that mows grass at a high level okay because the people that don't mow at a high level i get rid of right i mean they they, they, they're not they're not good enough for lengthen they don't they don't fit our values they don't do what i ask them to do for our customers so so they leave you know exit left so now the people that are really great I have a decision to make as a business owner. If I bring this person up in the company, I have to bring somebody else in to mow, or I can just leave that person on the mower. But when when you're in a market that only pays 40 bucks an acre, here, let me ask you a question. When you were mowing, okay, because it hasn't changed that much, what would you charge for a one acre yard? Probably probably 30. Okay, so 30, right? So no, no labor burden, no anything. Now this will make sense to our listeners that listen. Yeah. When I tell my customers I offer health insurance, my foreman get a 401k, um, I, uh, I have workman's comp, I have new trucks, and they're like, well, Austin can do it for 30, and I'm like, well, I need to be at 53 to break even. They're like, well, then you need to do something, and I'm like, shit. So now I'm trying to figure out how am I going to mow grass for 40 bucks a year, you know? Right. I'm never going to be able to pay somebody more than 16 bucks an hour. So- what quality worker am I going to get? I'm not doing yeah. any value for our economy at all. For sure. In schools, guidance counselors don't say, "Hey, get A's, get B's, don't you know, have good grades, and then go work for Joe Langton at Langton Group cutting grass." Like yeah. they, this is no one's telling kids to yeah. do that, but they are telling them to learn about technology. They are, and whether kids want to learn about it or not. Technology is in front of them every day. We're doing a Zoom call, a podcast that we used to not be able to do this way. We would be 
in a room with a microphone recording. There'd be five people sitting in another room listening to us. Now we could get on, I could do three pod, five podcasts today all yeah. from different locations, right? Yeah. So, you know, when you start talking about technology, it doesn't kill jobs. It creates new ones, number yeah. one. And it streamlines things so that the consumer can still pay the rate they've budgeted. Right. You know, at the end of the day, you guys work for big corporations, so do I. Yeah. They don't want to see their outside maintenance budget increase. Right, exactly. They want to see it stay yeah. here. And if anything, you're their hero if you can bring yeah. it down 3%. Because <laughs> exactly. those store managers get bonus up if they can decrease outside services. Yeah. You know, which is why companies, in my opinion, uh, go into decline because mm -hmm. this, the store managers are told, decrease the cost of your outdoor services. Guys like you, myself, your dad, we're trying to build up companies and pay our people more money. It, it cannot yeah. work together. When, when the big companies are trying to bring it down, we're trying to bring it up. You have to bring in the technology you guys are using as the equalizer. Technology exactly. is the equalizer. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Uh, yeah. So, so, uh, so another piece of technology. So, you know, we're, we're talking about that and I guess continue on. Um, Keep going, expanding on the lead stuff, or I maybe cut you off with some, no, yeah. kind of some of your future plans with where you want to go with it. Yeah, yeah. So the goal of of site is for us to be kind of the one one solution, one stop shop for property owners to go to when they have a question about just their facilities in general. I mean, um, you know, we're starting to to look at uh, mechanical units just from an inventory standpoint. Because uh, today they have, you know, we talk to any one of our clients and they have somewhere that they go to for their pavement information. They have another platform for their roofs. They have another one for lighting. They have another one for HVAC. And it's getting to a point where they don't, you know, they want one place to go. And they're, they don't want to have to go into all these different systems and everybody has a different interface and different information. Um, so the goal for us is to be that one uh, solution that they go to for their conditions, their, uh, their budgets, um, just general information about the equipment on their facilities, uh, you know, and, and, um, and I think that we're in a really good position to, to be able to do that because we're today we're seen as uh, the subject matter expert, you know, we're, we're subject matter experts that are, um, that are enhanced through technology. Anybody that we're competing against is uh, very tech driven, but they don't have you know, they don't have the ability to uh, to create those valuable insights for the client. Like they deliver a cool product, uh, but then, you know, the client looks at it and they're like, okay, this is awesome pictures, uh, cool technology. What does it mean? What do I need to do to my roofs? What do I need to do to my pavements to maintain them? How do I, uh, how do I cut my budgets or, you know, better spend my money um, across all of my facilities? So we're in a really good position because we understand what they're what they're looking for, um, and uh, and yeah, I'm super excited about the the future of site. I mean, like I said, we're just now starting to uh, test out interiors, which is going to be really valuable to our clients. And um, and you know, we're still trying to figure it out. There's a bunch of different, like I said, cameras out there, 360 cameras. There's the Matterport camera, um, but we're trying to fig find what's again, what's scalable from a timing and cost perspective and also gives us 
the data that we need to be able to create those those insights. Um, another cool, uh, another really cool technology and kind of partnering that we just uh, recently um, uh, went into partnership with through Site is a company called Utilist. They're headquartered out of Israel, and uh, the CTO there and I. You know, I'm going to talk about this. I don't understand the technology at all, so don't ask me too many technical questions. But uh, the the CTO and founder um, used to work for NASA, and he was working on a project that um, that that they were looking for water on other planets um, using satellite imagery. So he took afterwards, he was able to to take that same technology and um, use it for uh, water utilities and municipalities. So now. He's able to take an image from a satellite uh, and be able to find pinpoint water leaks on water utilities. And then also, you know, for municipalities in general, um, he does this. And I mean, it's crazy that, that some of the, uh, the tiny leaks that they've been able to find from a satellite underneath the ground uh, is really, really impressive. Um, so they've actually, you know, with a lot of their municipalities, they're at a point where the municipality is like, look, only give us X number of of leaks, you know, a month because that's all we can handle to fix. Like you, we can't fix, you know, 10,000 at a time. Give us, give us a hundred. So, um, so the technology is really cool. And what we've done is uh, we partnered with them to be able to, because on facilities, as you probably know, uh, the biggest thing that kills a, a facility is, is water. So in a roof, it's water that, that gets into the, the roof system and destroys it. Same thing with pavements. If there's moisture underneath the pavement, that area and that pavement is going to fail a lot faster than anywhere else on either their portfolio or on that property specifically. So they, they've taken the technology and they've kind of uh, calibrated it for finding moisture underneath surfaces uh, that we're now starting to, to deliver to our clients. So we have kind of, we've gotten an exclusive agreement with them where um, we're the only ones that are able to sell this to, to our clients to, for facilities and um, uh, you know, commercial, retail, industrial, to be able to find moisture underneath the ground, and then also uh, eventually underneath uh, roofing systems. So that's and that's that's just another really cool differentiator that nobody else in the world is able to do. Um, that so awesome. Really Check this out. I, I gotta tell you this. So yeah, your dad's gonna probably tell you because we've already talked about it. Like that <laughs> that technology is fascinating, and it's fascinating to me because I brought this up to your dad um, that, you know, you guys, you know, this, and this is what's awesome about networking once again is because say you guys look at a pavement and roofs and stuff. So I'm hearing this. There's a couple things I'm thinking of. A, the only thing that kills a, wa- a, a robot lawnmower is standing water. Mm. Okay. At the end of the day, a, a robot lawnmower uses resistance. It learns a yard by measuring the resistance in the cutting system, right? So when they're standing water, the robot's like, wow, that's some really long grass. And it just goes over there and it just yeah. it frolics around in, in the in the <laughs> pool of water until it makes a big time, right? So in automated outdoor, we're always like, okay, we need to recognize water. So the first thing I hear when I hear this is, holy cow, I can literally get no automower zones like right out of the gate yeah. before we make the mistake and piss off the customer. So that's number one. Yeah. I, I think, wow, we've really got to be awesome. partnering. Yeah. <laughs> Secondly, I brought up to your dad slip and fall liability in our snow companies, okay? Because when you have water pushing up from underneath the surface, this happens all winter, you know? It snows, we clear pavement, 
And then all of a sudden you've got water pushing up from the curve lines and the cracks. Huge. I mean, huge. And I could literally see a day where you'll be selling this information to Snow and Ice Management Association and lawyers and stuff to defend slip and fall claims. Yeah. And say, hey, this is nothing to do with the contractor. They have a groundwater issue or the city has a water main break. And I mean, just, I mean, honestly, I said like, I never thought about that. Yeah, no, that's all. That's a really good, that's a really good application for that tool. Yeah. So see, this is why we need to talk more, you know, but, uh, but yeah, so I mean, your dad's telling me about this stuff and I was like, oh my gosh, my mind is blown right now because, (laughs) because, you know, this is what's really cool about getting, it's like, what I find is tech people in technology, we get so passionate about it. We're willing to talk about it for hours on end. Oh, yeah. Okay? yeah. And, and and since there's there's very little competition in it right mm-hmm. now, there is a huge amount of uh, viability to say, okay, it's okay if I talk to Joe and he kind of takes this side and runs with it because I can't run everywhere in the world, you know? Yeah. Um, and that's what's really cool about guys like us right now is when, when you're mm-hmm. like bleeding edge on something – you, you've learned so much just talking to people. I, I'm sorry. I just, as I'm talking to you, I'm like so excited. I actually might be more excited talking to you than your dad, just because you, your dad <laughs> I've already researched and studied and learned about, you know, but yeah. with you, there's a lot of stuff going on with, with yeah. similar things with Julia and I. Yeah. Know? It's crazy. I mean, it's crazy how much in the last two and a half years that I've learned just from, you know, whether it's technology or, uh, you know, how different companies manage their facilities or talking to, you know, VC, you know, we, we, we haven't raised any money, but it's something that we've discussed. So just talking to those people and just, you know, learning a whole nother industry is, VCs, did you say, do you mean venture capitalists or, or yeah. yeah, yeah, venture capitalists. Just, just yeah. for people listening that don't, might not realize that. Yeah, so yeah, I just wanted yeah. to elaborate on that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's been fascinating just learning about a, a completely different industry. I mean, and it, it's it's been a lot of fun. So uh, no, Austin, it's it's funny you bring up the venture capitalist stuff because I tell people all the time, like I'll go to sell robotic lawnmowers to somebody in Lake Forest or something, and I, I get kind of like I'll go on like three quotes, and I I find my my business radar is kind of going off because I'm like, these people really want a robot. Or what are they really trying to do right now? You know, and then yeah. all of a sudden they'll be like, yeah, I'm a venture capitalist or I'm a, you know, I'm a, a, a private equities investor. And I, I, you know, I've heard a lot about your business. And, you know, you really start to realize when you're on to something. I mean, you know, I'm in much like you guys probably with Ray Vine Group with the paving, you know, built this great paving organization. I've got a, a large landscape and snowmobile company, but I'm never going to venture capitalist or a private equities company being like, Hey, exactly. money, you know, yeah. <laughs> when you start doing other stuff and people are talking to you about that, you're like, yeah, it's, I mean, isn't it the most inspiring thing? I mean, you oh, literally awesome. go to bed it. at night thinking like, wow, I'm really onto something here. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. And another thing that I'd, I'd love to, to talk to you about more, we've been, I mean, for the last, probably uh, last five years, I've talked to a handful of different people about building robots for uh, striping parking lots because I think I mean it's the biggest pain in the butt you know we don't we don't self-perform it so we always subcontract it out when we look at like distribution centers where a lot of our clients 
just to stripe their parking lot, which is really important because the trucks need to know where to go and where the trailers need to go. Uh, it's a it's a pain in the butt because they have to move all of the trailers to to you know get out of the way for the striping machine to come in and the guy to stripe it, line it off. I mean, if they could have a robot that could stripe stripe the parking lot on their facility, it'd be a, a no brainer for them to do that. So Austin, I've got chills right now. Yeah, <laughs> the reason you just gave me chills is because uh, when we get off this call, you can research, research a company called Swazi, and if Swazi? you check if you check me out on LinkedIn. Uh, we just became a Swazi uh, dealer. Now, right now what Swazi does, but it's, it's funny you bring this up because I literally already told Swazi this. So Swazi is a robotic field striping unit. Mm. It can stripe a football field in 22 minutes with letters and everything in the field. So, I mean, not only the lines, but you could say <laughs> bears and packers on the other side and they'll, it'll stripe it, okay? Um, That's crazy. So I brought up to them, I said, hey, let me tell you what you need because I get asked all the time is Langton group to start doing seal coating. And I'm like, Oh no, I, this is not, yeah. <laughs> this is, this is a big shift for me. Totally different equipment. It doesn't make sense. But I have often thought when I watch people seal coat or pave a parking lot, I've noticed from a distance, the paving part seems easy, but then you've got to coordinate how you're going to stripe it and laying it out and the other stuff. Exactly. So this is two centimeter accuracy. This is how accurate it gets. And it stripes. So when I talk to Swazi about this, and honestly, they're going to be one of my guests, by the way. They're, they're an upcoming guest, so you'll have to tune into that episode. Yeah. Um, they, I said, why don't you have a parking lot striper? And they said, well, in Switzerland, because this is where they come from, it's, there's not a big demand for it, and it's a different kind of paint. And I said, listen, if you have the GPS satellite system, you have to be able to just – change the, the the paint to be able to do parking lots you know so they said to me well get some people that do it and tell us how to do it and we'll make you a parking lot striper so here today this is what we're doing oh. you and i we're going to call swazi in switzerland and we're going to figure out what it takes for them to take their stuff and turn it into a parking lot striper because this is I crazy it. i mean it's like similar yeah. minds you know yeah well, and yeah, you're exactly right. I mean, that's the that's the the only part that would need to be figured out because you could. So usually there's CAD files that will have you know the the layout of the parking. And that's how space. these work is all off a CAD file. Right. Or if we have uh, drone imagery, all of that has GPS data, so you can lay it out that way. Um, so yeah, so the laying it out part should be. I mean, again, I I. I like technology, and I, I, but I don't know how it works all the time, but I imagine that, uh, that this should be pretty easy. <laughs> well, and what they brought up was if, if we wanted to, since the layout is nine, 90% of what's difficult, right? They're like, if you wanted to, just use like field striping paint, like it's like a primer or use like that type of paint to just yeah. stripe it quick. And then all somebody has to do is walk behind it with the machine and there's yeah. no layout. Now yeah. that in itself is a solution, right? But going back to your drone stuff at the beginning, you know, you, you use the drones for one thing and you narrowed it in to make it full solution, a bigger, bigger picture solution. So I yeah. think we can narrow this down and make this better. And honestly, um, you should try to make some time to come out to Woodstock and I'll show you the Swazi. And yeah. Uh, yeah. because you'll get to see and what's crazy is this company is smart enough to be able to deal with the heavily unionized area we live in in the Chicago market. So 
I literally am going to be selling two units. One is a completely automatic drive wheels that drives itself. And then the other unit is pushed by a person, but there's a GPS unit on the screen. And if you get off track, it just shuts off the sprayer. So your person pushes it and it basically tells them there's like a gain meter left, right. And if you get too far off because the arm adjusts to, to, for that accuracy, yeah. if you're too far off that the arm can't adjust, it just stops the sprayer. You back up the cart and start to push again. That's awesome. I, right? I mean, it's, it's like amazing stuff. There's another company right now in Europe that makes a um, robotic parking lot sweeper. Um, mm. I, they think they're called Enway. Um, you should look them up on LinkedIn. And I'm like literally begging them to get me a unit to the United States because Lankin Group does parking lot sweeping, you know, for Walmart, okay. yeah. you know? And uh, man, oh man, if I could just park sweepers at a Walmart, let them sweep seven <laughs> days a week, because what happens, you're in facilities management, what happens with the Walmart is we only sweep one hour a night, okay? And then a manager comes in at eight in the morning and they take a picture of a receipt and they go, I thought I have a parking lot sweeper. And I go, yeah, the receipt yeah. says 7.30 a.m. We swept at two o'clock in the morning. <laughs> You know, but so I mean, it's just, I yeah. mean, the world we live in right now, going back to your song, Life is Good, to be <laughs> in technology right yeah. now and, and to be a leader in it, I mean, it's just, I can't imagine the potential. It's, it's yeah. un, un, unimaginable. Yeah. Yeah. It's a blast for sure. Yeah. I don't know how you, the, uh, we've been on some, like not recently, but I remember probably, I don't know, six, six years ago, we've been on some of those, uh, parking lot sweeping bit events. Holy cow, those are competitive. <laughs> yeah, so you know what's crazy about parking lot sweeping for us is this is another business we kind of got dragged into, okay? And to, for you to learn a little bit about us, you know, I, we started out, all, all I was ever gonna do was snowplow, you know, kind of like your dad. All I'm gonna ever do is pave. That's all yeah. I'm gonna do, right? So snowplowing, that's all I'm gonna do. But our customers, you know, our biggest customers then were Lowe's, Walmart, Sam's Club, Costco's. Costco's one of our biggest customers. And um, they said, man, we need to do our landscaping. Your customer service level is so high. So for five months, we've got the best vendor outside we've ever had. And then we get our landscaper. That, that, that's literally what got us in. Well, then we start doing landscaping and then they're like, oh my gosh, I don't want to deal with my street sweeper. Can you do street sweeping? You know. So it's what's gotten us into all of these things. Even down, we do irrigation for Walmarts. So like oh, hearing okay. this, so like another thing for me with, with you like monitoring water in the ground, yep. I cannot imagine the amount of irrigation work I can get from Walmart using your guys' technology. I mean, awesome. <laughs> Let's do it. I, 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 on, I mean, talk about scalability. I, I told your dad on our podcast, he's done something that I want to do. And I keep telling my team. I want to go from a local, a large local contractor to a national contractor and be a world-class contractor. And uh, I, I hear everything you're saying, and I'm like, this is how you become world-class because I'm knowing things that are happening at Walmart and Costco before Walmart and Costco gets their water bill. And yeah. water is expensive. Mm -hmm. So if I can save them $1,000 over seven months because they have a water leak, they'll pay, they'll gladly pay the $7,000 repair bill. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And not damage all their parking lot. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. so, so uh, 
So, so yeah, so to kind of, because uh, much like much like with your dad, time is flying. <laughs> I, I go off that tangent. Um, so how do you juggle doing the stuff with site and then and then also at Rayvine, right? Because we share yeah. a similarity. I, I'm running Lankin Group. I'm running AOS. Uh, so I just kind of want to hear how a guy like you is doing it because you're, yeah. you're younger than me. So. Yeah, not, not very well. I'm not a great juggler. No. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm still, uh, you know, I'm still think, figuring stuff out. I've got, uh, you know, our, our team at site is, is incredible. They, you know, operationally, they just, they'll, I don't have to worry about anything. I've got a really good COO there. The team there is great. And so when we get requests in from clients, you know, it's going to get done. There's a process. Uh, they're very diligent about it. So that's been, that's been, that's been really, uh, really good to be able to have during this transition. Um, we are, you know, we're, we are looking for a CEO to come in and actually run site for us. Uh, you know, I think that we have a lot of opportunity in sales on the technology side and kind of scaling the business and understanding how best to do that. Um, you know, that I'm actually, I think, so I, I kind of stepped back from site a little bit and, and took over this role at, at Raybine uh, in January of this year. And, you know, it was something that I'm, I was like a little bummed about not being as involved with site, but also excited for this new opportunity. Um, and then I think that the other positive thing that comes out of it is that now we can look to find a CEO to run site that has a lot of skills that that I don't have, right? Like the venture capital stuff, if we ever want, want to raise money. You know, I haven't done that before. I've been learning, but if we can find somebody who's done it, uh, that'd be a huge help. I know that's a, a ton of time, you know, it takes a lot of time to be able to do that. Um, somebody that can scale a business, uh, preferably that's been in technology before, um, so that we can kind of take our, our current sale, our current uh, model, which is 90% operations and 10% sales and tech and flip that, right? Like it should be 90% sales and tech team, 10% operations because the, you know, the, the technology is doing a lot of the, the work for you. Um, and, uh, and yeah, but other than, other than that, you know, transitioning into the Raybine role has been, uh, it's been a lot of fun, definitely challenges, especially with the current environment with, uh, you know, COVID and a lot of the things that are going on in, in the world. Um, but, uh, still learning, still trying to figure out what the best way to juggle it all is. I think that's always my biggest issue with kind of these new, uh, taking on these new responsibilities or the next kind of step uh, in my career is that the, you know, that transition period is difficult for me because I, I'm somebody that likes to be productive and efficient with my time. And I feel like during those times, I'm kind of you know, trying to figure out where I be, need to, what, what I need to be looking at, who I need to be talking to, spending my time with uh, to be most efficient. And, and during that transition time, I don't feel like I have a good handle on that. So uh, still figuring that out, I think. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, we all struggle with that. I mean, yeah. I, I sometimes, I, like even in this podcast, I look at the time and I'm like, holy cow, what tangent did I go on? Yeah. <laughs> did I, you know, should I have spent more time here or there? But, but, you know, to be honest with you, for me, it's the tangents that kind of make us who we are, right? Like <laughs> in a day... The, the only negative to it is it, it in, in my opinion, it makes my work day longer, but on the flip side, the things that come out of my mouth that make something, someone say something else 
it's really what builds the company, you know, yeah. I, right? Because if no one's talking or communicating, nothing is growing. Absolutely. Yeah. So, and, um, the, and then more fun. The tangents are fun. Yeah, they are. They are. Well, you're excited. Yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> you know, there, there was a post on LinkedIn. I, I wish I wrote it down, but it went something like, you know, a good salesman doesn't sell an item. They sell their, they sell their passion. You know? yeah. And, and really, I mean, when I look at our success with the technology we're using, there's, there's only a couple of formulas that are making a difference. A, I am, the, I always think I'm one of the most passionate people you'll ever meet. Okay. First time we've talked for an hour, maybe you'll agree, disagree. I don't know. But secondly <laughs> is, um, you know, especially with technology, people love technology, but they want people to help them unwrap the tech. Okay. So what, what, what a guy like you or people like us are doing is we're taking something that already exists. You're taking drones and they exist and you're taking a guy that used to work for NASA that made something to see if there's water on another planet. And now you're saying, how do I take that same technology and put it to use for our customer base, which is nothing different than we're doing. Okay. We're taking something that Husqvarna wanted to make for homeowners Hmm. to put on their, in their yard. It's been out since 1995 with no traction. And I said, wait a minute, I can tell you why it doesn't work in the United States. Nobody wants to fire their landscaper because the robot is the same cost as the landscaper. So how do we overcome the issue? You overcome the issue by making the landscapers by the robots. That's 50% of how lawns are mowed in the United States is by somebody (laughs) else. So Husqvarna, this big global company, global company, couldn't figure out our North American market. It took a guy living in North America to figure it out, you know? (laughs) Um, So, you know, but there were many tangents with her and I talking in many ways this unfolded to get us where we're at. And we won't be in the same place in two years. You know, in two years, we will have grown and evolved to something that we might look back on and say, wow, that we're like in grade school when we did this podcast on, you know, 714 of 2020, (laughs) you know? And it'll be the same thing for you guys, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we already, we look back at, uh, in site specifically, you know, we'll, we've got uh, some of the reports that we first started off with when we were, that we're sending to clients and screenshots of the, you know, the original, uh, the original technology that we were delivering. And it's funny because, you know, that was two, yeah, about two years ago. And at that time we were like, this is awesome. The clients are loving it. We loved it. And now we look at it and we're like, man, what were we thinking? Like that, that, I can't believe that people actually got value out of that. We're just light years ahead of it. It's so no, cool. no, yeah. I mean, I look at our first robotic install we did. We stapled all of the wire, like literally. I didn't have a cable layer. I, I myself and my stepson took us five hours with two of us, so ten hour install. And I'm thinking, <laughs> holy shit, how am I going to scale this? I, the, the the amount of hours I just had in the install in a 28 week mowing season, I'm a third of the way through the labor. Like what, yeah, what am I yeah. going to do here? You know? And, <laughs> and then you figure out, okay, how do I lay wire faster? How do we zone things out? Julie and I developed this app. It took us, what, how many months into the app are we right now? Well, well, we developed it, I feel like pretty quickly just to actually get it done. But it took us a few, a few months. Four yeah, easily months. half a year. Right. But now yeah. very short. Well, now it's actually live. not very shortly. It's live. You could go on 
Play Store and type in AOS slash Lankton, and there's an app that we use. You can measure total CRM, makes work orders, it schedules everything. Because that's what it came down to. Like, how do we streamline in order to scale this? Right? Because I cannot scale it with a pad of paper. Well, and even like completely set in different sides, sales and technician, like login. So you can get it from both sides. Yeah. So, yeah. But, anyways, you know. Yeah. Yeah. It's fun. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. So, all right. Well, what time do we start? 115. We're, we're easily over an hour here. I think yeah. that, um, I, I think that uh, we got any, you got any questions for him, Jules? Uh, anything as, as, as far as the young entrepreneurs, any, any questions you have? Uh, oh yeah. Now I'm on the spot. This is what I do. I like to put my daughter on the spot. <laughs> I don't this enjoy is, being on the this spot. This is how you push her to be great. You know. <laughs> I don't know. I, mean, I don't know. How is it for you working with your dad all the time? For me, I enjoy it a lot, but I feel like I don't know if other people would enjoy. It. Like I don't know. It's yeah, that's a great question. Because <laughs> she said she enjoys it, Austin. <laughs> <laughs> we might need to edit this part out. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> No, I love it. I mean, you know, we, there's definitely uh, there's definitely times that that we'll uh, we'll get into it, and you know, I I might not love it for you know at that point or the next uh, next day, but it's a lot of fun working with them because it's you know I think one of the things, and I always I always forget the exact uh, the exact quote. It's a, it was from Jeff Bezos, and it was essentially you know uh, about work life balance, and it was you know basically he was basically saying like work life balance is uh, is garbage. It's, it's not, you know, it's not these separate compartments. It's a, it's a circle and it's just, it's your life and you, you want to enjoy your work. You want to enjoy your personal life, but it kind of all melds together. Right. And I, I've always thought that even before hearing that quote, and that's what I've liked. I've always liked, you know, working from the office and then, you know, I'll take a call when I'm on vacation or work when I'm on vacation. I'm always, you know, working. I think that working with my dad and family is part of that as well. You know, it's at the dinner table table and we're, having a fun conversation about what's going on in the business. Maybe not always fun, but usually fun and, and talking about, you know, where, where the business should be going and what's going well and things that we can improve on. Um, so that's definitely a, you know, a different dynamic that, that is challenging, but, uh, but I wouldn't change it. So it's a blast. I love working with him. So, um, and he's, as of, uh, you know, as of the last few months, I think I've, he's really kind of, uh, seems like he's, he's trusted me a lot more than he has in the past to kind of make a lot of the decisions for the business. And, um, and it's more of, you know, things I'll run by him. He's like, yeah, that's what you and, uh, you and the team think is best then then do it. And, you know, let me know how it goes. Um, so it's been, it's been a lot of fun and, you know, it's been most of my life, uh, working with him. So it's been, uh, I'm grateful for that. Yeah. I mean, my, my thing that I would say, and I've never actually said it, this to her, I don't think before, but I'll say it to you so you can understand because you and your, your dad and I, we seem to have similar minds is, you know, for me, when I work with my daughter, I see a young me in her. Okay. So the difference is I didn't own my own business at 19. I, I had to work, I had to work a day job to build my business. Mm-hmm. So when I see, and maybe this happens with you and your dad without you even realizing it is when I see her making like the former me mistakes, I of course have to bite my tongue because there's a part of me that just wants to say, nope, made that mistake before. You don't want to do it that way. But then I also know 
it, she doesn't look, I only turned out to be who I am because I made the mistake and, and the mistakes teach you more than someone telling you not to make it. So yeah. I think that is the one thing as a father that works with his daughter and stepsons, I would say to any son working with his father is just to maybe understand that yeah. sometimes it's as difficult for us as it is for you guys, just from a different <laughs> yeah. side. You know? But, but yeah. now I'm sitting here wondering what mistakes I've no, made. No, no, no. <laughs> no, no, no. It's, no, no, it's, yeah. it's, it's in managing, like, you know, if somebody's like giving right, you that. Right, so it's like, yeah, you know, it's like, like anything about it, like the other night when we have a conversation, you know, somebody's giving her lip and uh, not doing what she wants to do. I kind of get on her. She gets upset. My knee jerk reaction as a dad is to call and fire the three people that pissed off my daughter. Okay. Yeah. But then her knee jerk reaction is, well, then Monday morning, we're going to have a meeting. But then I'm like, hold on, we're really busy right now. I'm not going to Monday morning, bring the whole company's morale down for the next rest week. We'll do it on a Friday afternoon. Yeah. <laughs> these, are, these are the differences, you know, yeah. We'll, yeah. we'll let it marinate with them for a weekend instead of doing it on Monday. You know, yeah. so yeah. see that. All right. That, that's fine. That's fine. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. Uh, no, it's, it's great though. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. Awesome. Well, okay. Well, it's been awesome to get to know you and yeah. learn more about your business than I knew when this started. Um, hopefully you tune in. There's going to be a lot of people I'm going to interview on this that I think you're going to really uh, appreciate. Um, you know, our goal at the podcast, and I'm saying this because it's good for everybody to know what we're doing, is to bring people like you and your dad who are people using this technology and bringing it to use, and then mm -hmm. also to bring engineers of the technology also on the podcast. Cool. And, you know, basically try to inspire thoughts in both directions. An engineer comes on about something they developed, and then just like I figured out new ways to use your stuff. Everybody, we've turned into like one big think tank that tunes in awesome. audience success. Um, and, and we all grow on the podcast. Love it. That's great. Yeah, and I'll be in, I'm in Woodstock a couple of days a week, so I'll definitely shoot you a text. Yeah, shoot me a text. I need you to see the Swazi. You got to see the yeah. Swazi. Yeah. And the left-hand robotic machine. So I, I got to show you those machines. I really think they awesome. can work out in your, in your organization. So. All right. Cool. Thanks right. again. Good Thank talking you. to you guys. Thanks for all the time. Talk nice talking to you. Thank you so much for joining us today. I want to invite you to check out AutomatingSuccessShow.com where you can watch each episode's best business automation and growth strategies and download Joe's 11 keys to automating your business for maximum growth. Please follow us on Instagram at Automating Success Show for more helpful automating business tips, tricks, and silly memes on maximizing growth and productivity. If you felt any benefit from this show, please let us know by leaving an iTunes review, sharing this episode on social media, and emailing a link to anyone you think would also find benefit. Life is good. You know what I mean? Like, uh, for the cheapest ring on the finger, look. Ooh, dropped three dollars on the rain, cause it's been the truck, look Ooh, I was in the trap, serving cocaine, they ain't been the same since Ooh, granted she was standing right down while I catch a play on the brick Ooh, I made them look, go hey, while I tell band in this Ooh, I'd have been down bad in them trenches, had to ride with that stick Ooh, who gave you pills, who gave that dust, Pluto sent you on the lick